This is Calm and Cozy, episode 71. You're listening to the Calm and Cozy podcast, a show about learning to love sleep, focusing on rest, finding relief from insomnia, and making time for self-care. I'm your host, Sleep Coach Beth. Hi, welcome back to the Common Cozy Podcast. I've got another great interview with another wonderful guest. April Snow is a licensed psychotherapist who works with introverts, highly sensitive people, perfectionists, and overachievers. But before we get started, I have to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Dormy's Blue Blocker Glasses. Are you tired of waiting for sleep? Help put an end to your day and start the sleep process earlier by blocking blue light. Blue light tells your brain to stop making melatonin because the sun is out. And of course, melatonin is the hormone that takes us away into sleep. Wearing dormies at night takes the light that interferes with sleep and gives it a calm and cozy glow. So you can do what you normally do at night without interfering with melatonin production. It's the easiest way to sleep better. The great news for you, my dear listeners, is that you can save 20% off your own pair of dormies just by listening to this podcast and by using the coupon code BETH. Go to dormies.io, D-O-R-M-I-S dot I-O. Wear them, sleep better. My guest tonight is April Snow. She's a licensed psychotherapist who works with highly sensitive introverts, perfectionists, and overachievers to overcome anxiety, embrace their strengths, and create life on their own terms. And I know you're gonna be just as excited as I am to hear from April today. So. April, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Beth. I'm so excited to be on and connect with you today. So if you can just, first of all, just give me um, uh, just a quick intro into who you are, how you help people. Yeah, of course. So when I was in grad school, I, I knew I was introverted and I was trying to figure out more about myself. I knew that I was different in some way and like I felt things more intensely and I thought about things in, in, um, in more complex ways and I got excited about little things that other people didn't seem to notice and so I was on the hunt to figure out myself which is what you do when you're in grad school as a therapist <laughs> <laughs> you do a lot of self-exploration and I came across the the trait high sensitivity I had never heard of it before and it was like a light bulb went off in my in my world. Really, I f- I really got to understand myself in this more com- you know this deeper way that made a lot more sense. And from there, I hit the ground running. So I realized right away that I wanted to spread this information to other people. You know, because I spent my whole life feeling a little bit different and kind of feeling like I vibrated a different frequency than everyone else and had different mm-hmm. needs than everyone else. Um, so right from the start I started working with HSPs specifically and learning as much as I could I gobbled up all the information I could about the trade and I still am continuing to do that and it's a it's a it's a life passion of mine at this point Mm -hmm. to help HSPs understand that they are highly sensitive and that we can you know we talked briefly about how you can be introverted you can be quiet and you can still do the things that you want to do right? You can still have the life that you want to have. You can be a business owner. You can be out in the public. You can, you know, you can live the life that you want. You don't have to do what everyone else is doing or do it in the way that everyone else thinks that you should be doing it. So that's really important to me. When I say create a life on your own terms, it's 
taking that focus and turning it back in and asking yourself, what, what do I want to do with my, with my life, with my time, with my energy, um, and starting to listen to our inner voice again. So yeah, that's, that's what drives my work as a therapist. <laughs> How do you describe a highly sensitive person? Because I've heard this term, but I have no idea what it means. And then I also want to know if I am one. So obviously, yeah, definitely. Is, obviously this interview <laughs> is just all about me learning this is more fun. about myself. <laughs> I have sat with many people as they discover they're highly sensitive. When I was a, a trainee as a therapist, I would give out the self-tests to everyone <laughs> and sit and do it with them. Um, so I'll just give a brief overview for us. So for anyone who's listening and for you too, Beth. So a highly sensitive person is someone who was born with um, a brain and a nervous system that's wired just a little bit differently. So you're wired to notice subtleties in the environment. You're wired to process information deeply, which means you're going to make um, you're going to take more time to make decisions. You're going to need more time for transitions. You're going to want to spend more time in thought and reflection mode. Um, you're also wired for more empathy. So HSPs have more active insulas in the brain, which means we have more capacity for empathy. We feel the feelings of others around us more than most people do. Um, we also have a wide range of um, emotional experience. So the little joys and the little hurts, you're going to feel them in a, in a pretty intense way. Um, and what else? Yeah, and so a lot of HSPs are prone to feeling more sensitive to sensory information. Not that we have trouble integrating it, we just feel it more vividly. So a lot of HSPs struggle with like tags and clothing, bright lights, <laughs> loud noises, things like that. Um, so we get easily overstimulated. So you can summarize all that into the acronym does. So depth of processing, overstimulation, emotional responsiveness and empathy, and subtleties of sensory information. So these are the core characteristics of an HSP. Now an HSP can be introverted, 70% of us are, or you can be extroverted, 30% of us are, not me, but 30% of other HSPs are extroverted. Uh, you can also be high sensation seeking, which means you like novelty. Um, so there's a lot of complexities to an HSP, but those core characteristics are going to be pretty uh, straightforward across the board. And you'll see this trait in people of all genders equally. It's in up to 20% of the population, the human population, and up to, I think, over 100 other species, you'll notice this trait. So it's not born out of trauma. It's not because you're too sensitive or too fragile. There's an evolutionary advantage to noticing all the details and subtleties around you, which is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love that we're in such an age where we're more aware, self-aware and mm -hmm. wanting, yeah, wanting to know more about what makes us tick and yeah. finding the strengths in it instead of it being a bad thing. Like I've never been so proud of being an introvert. Like I never would have thought that I ever would have talked about being an introvert so often mm -hmm. and as often as I do, but I just find it fascinating or like, you know, I'm an Enneagram four and everything is like, oh, well, that's yeah. because I'm a four. So of course yes. I would feel that way. And uh -huh. it, it's funny because there's, it's just like you, you find something like this and go, oh, that's why I'm yeah. like that. Or that's why I have that weird tendency yeah. to do something like that. Exactly. It all starts to make sense. Yeah. And hopefully <laughs> I'm an Enneagram five. So when I am, needing information so this is a good example when i need information or when i'm having a conversation with my wife and she's like well, why can't we just 
do it this way. I'm like, no, I need to do my research first. I really need data. <laughs> it's like, this is just something about me and I can mm-hmm. embrace it just like my sensitivity. I embrace that I need um, more time to deep dive and, and take downtime and I take more time to make decisions. And, you know, I used to feel weird that I would get so excited over something really tiny, but now I'm like, <laughs> that's a big asset. Like I don't need drugs or anything. I have like natural high going on Um, and there's, it brings me a lot of joy and I love being able to embrace that. And you're right. You know, taking, being able to to look at those parts of ourselves, it really is really validating and hopefully is. is a path to accepting ourselves just as we are not needing to say, Oh, I have to, I have to change. And, you know, changing, I just see there's, there's a lot of sacrifice in that you miss out. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I first learned that I was an introvert when I started my business. I make friends easily. I like people when I want to like people. Uh-huh. And it's funny because it's still very surprising to the people in my life who have known me like my whole life or since I was little. And they'll go, you're an introvert? That's really mm-hmm. weird. Uh, like I thought introverts were shy. And I go, that's a common misconception. That's diff- right. Exactly. Yeah. Not the same. <laughs> I go, I always say I'm painfully introverted, but mm-hmm. I went to a event for mm-hmm. entrepreneurs and it was, uh, I think it was a, called the Archangel Summit or something. And mm-hmm. it, it was this giant event and it was in Toronto. So I had to take the go train in, mm-hmm. um, which also causes a bit of anxiety for me, but I went by myself. I would rather go to something like that by myself or with one other person. And I couldn't find anyone else to go with me. So I went by myself. I sat by myself. I made friends with the other introvert beside me. Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed the learning part, but everything else was painful. And they had a concert going on. They had uh, this guy gets up and he was a rapper or something. And all the, like the women around me all get up and they're dancing. And I was just Uh sitting there like, oh, I just want this to be over. Yes. (laughs) Vicarious discomfort. I was also (laughs) like, can we just go back to the learning part? I'm ready. I've got my notebook. notes. (laughs) And the biggest, the eye opener for me was the day afterwards, I felt hungover. And I spent the entire day wrapped in a blanket on the couch, just feeling yes. like, what just happened? I feel like I just got hit yeah. by a truck. Completely and that's when, I, yeah, someone that I know said something about being an introvert who plays an extrovert on TV or something. Uh-huh. And I, was, <laughs> I think that's what's going on. And it was yeah. huge for me. So. Yeah, there's so many good things in what, in what you just said. You know, for one, there's a lot of misconceptions about introverts. So oftentimes <laughs> you may not know that you're an introvert and mm-hmm. um, just the same as an HSP, you know, Dr. Aaron, she, Dr. Elaine Aaron, she's the one who's done the majority of the research and it's kind of really spearheaded the awareness and the trait. And she says, you know, a well-balanced HSP, you're not going to notice them. Hmm. They're just going to kind of fade into the background and um, they're functioning well, they're really thriving, you know, same with an introvert. If you're a well-balanced introvert, you're social, right? You like people, you like connecting. We all need social connection. Uh, But you're right. When you get to those kind of extremes, like going to a conference where a loud concert, or you have like a series of things all stacked up together. And then you start to see, Oh yeah, I'm really depleted right now. (laughs) And it really starts to stand out. Um, Yeah. And we do need that recovery time, right? Mm. The more we push ourselves, the more recovery time we're going to need. So yeah, if you, a conference is hard because it's like it's loud it's overseen there's lots of people there's so many elements that push on us and um it could take it could take days 
to recover <laughs> from that. <laughs> it took a full day for sure. Yeah, I, I was just thinking too that the mm -hmm. I think one of the worst parts for me was I was waiting in line to get a ticket to go in mm -hmm. and the woman in front of me that I've never met her turned around and went, so what do you do? And I just was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's eight in the morning. You're a stranger. You don't care what I do. You're just right. trying to make conversation. Exactly. <laughs> I, like, I don't want to even start a conversation with you. <laughs> so mm -hmm. funny. Like, I hate small talk. Oh, so it's I, the worst. I have to say that event was, I learned a lot and I mm -hmm. have not been back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's okay. <laughs> I love it. Oh, yes. What else can you teach me about myself? <laughs> <laughs> what do you um, want to know? How does managing stress differ for highly sensitive people? Yeah. So HSP, and I'll say HSP often. For okay. Short, just for anyone who's new, I'm, I don't want to <laughs> lose anybody. Um, okay. So for HSPs, Downtime is a critical part of stress relief. So when I say downtime, I mean quiet time where you're not looking at a screen, you're not interacting with anyone, and preferably you're having some kind of free space to think and to process your thoughts. So, you know, I think Beth, you're a big journaling advocate. Journaling is a really great way to do that. You know, just kind of do a bit of a, a cleansing, if you will writing down all the thoughts of the day, processing some emotion from the day, just creating some internal space is really, really important. And then also anything, and I think you talk a lot about mindfulness on here too, you know, regulating our nervous system. So we, our nervous systems are wired to notice more subtleties. So they're gonna get more dysregulated than the average person. So oftentimes you'll feel stressed physically. So you might feel anxious, um, irritable, you, you know, you, you might feel like your your physical body is um, more uncomfortable. Like I like to say, like my nerves are on the outside. I can really mm. physically feel the stress. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not everyone's experience. We all have experienced our sensitivity in our own ways. Um, but for me, I, it's going to be processing thoughts and feelings from the day. It's a huge part. And then regulating those emotions, bringing your nervous system back down to a calm space to even be able to get prepared to wind down for the day or to get prepared for sleep. And that's going to be a, a pretty much a daily practice. You know, hmm. downtime is important every day. Just like you shut your computer down at night so it can rest, you want to shut your brain down at night so it can, it can rest and recharge. So it's usually, actually, it's not usually anything complicated. It's just hmm. these little lifestyle changes that HSPs or even introverts, anyone who's more internally oriented can make to create mental space because if you think about it you know i am someone who grew up i can remember pre-internet life <laughs> me not too every, yeah and before you know before internet and social media was like at the forefront of our lives there were so many moments to have open space in your brain whether that be daydreaming processing thinking so we got to we got to process throughout the day and now we're often processing when our head hits the pillow and then their brain's like, okay, ready? I'm ready to do my work. Let's go. <laughs> Finally, there's some space. Um, so all those moments that we used to have built into life, waiting in line at the grocery store. Well, we don't, we're not currently going to the grocery store, but when we could, you know, waiting in line at the grocery store, mm -hmm. the doctor's office, you know, driving in the car, um, you know, eating a meal and, you know, with quiet or just simply talking to others. 
now all those spaces have been filled up with screen time or mm. some type of engagement or pressure to do something, right? There's a lot more pressure to be busy all the time. So it's a matter, I like to say, I like to think of it as time traveling. How can I go backwards and start to recapture that more simple life that, you know, it's not all, it's not about completely getting rid of screens in your life. It's just carving out a little bit of time, maybe half hour before bed or during lunch, you know, throughout, you know, those few minutes throughout the day where you can give your brain a rest hmm. and de-stress. So it's just basically just turn the noise down. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. Really important for you it's hard to do. Hard to do. I, and, I yeah. try to be the person, the, I always want to be the one person in line who doesn't have my phone out. Like as yeah. soon as I go to reach for it, cause I think like, Oh, it's going to be a couple minutes. Yep. Oh, wait, and I go to reach my phone. I'm like, don't do it, Beth. Yes. <laughs> Leave I the have... phone. You have nothing to look at right now. And I like to just kind of stand up and look around. And yes. Like, I think I'm the only one who's looking up right now. <laughs> it's so true. I tell myself that too. I'll have little, like, little narratives in my mind. Like, <laughs> don't need to look at the phone. <laughs> just take a moment. It's okay just to sit still here. Mm. Yeah, and when I used to take the train into work to my office, I would look around sometimes like every single person is on the phone right now. <laughs> it's incredible just how quickly life is adapted to the screen. Yeah. I think that's why a lot more people are realizing they're highly sensitive because we're in much more overstimulated, hmm. overwhelmed state. Yeah, so it's more obvious. Sense. Just like when you went to that conference and you realized – Oh, I'm actually introverted. I need <laughs> I need downtime. I need yeah. quiet time, you know, because yeah. introverts recharge by being alone. I think a lot of HSPs are also realizing, like, oh, I, I'm something's different here. I need something. I need more quiet time, or I'm getting um, more overstimulated than other people around me. Hmm. Yeah, my big realization was, I just paid a couple hundred dollars to attend my worst nightmare. <laughs> mm, mm -hmm. Where right. you go? Right. really know yourself. <laughs> but you haven't been back since, so you did learn. <laughs> you did learn from it. I haven't, but one of my favorite mm. authors was there last year, and I was so tempted oh, to buy a ticket. It's so hard. I tried to get my other introverted friend to come with me, but it didn't work out for her. Otherwise, mm -hmm. I think I might have gone, and we could have sat in the back row. Yeah, yeah, sat there together. And that's it, making little changes, right? Like that's that's one of those ways that you can live life on your own terms, right? Or you could do it your way where, yeah, you go, but you make a modification and you sit at the back or you just go to um, the workshops that you want to go to. Mm. Or maybe you, like whenever I go on a retreat or something, I make sure, okay, I, I need my own room right. or I'm only going to go to half the program or whatever it is. Or mm -hmm. I always have a buffer day after so I can recharge at least one Um yeah, so there's these little tweaks we can make that we don't have to totally opt out, but we can do it our way. That's what I love doing. Like, how can I do it my way? <laughs> yeah, so and getting comfortable. Sure enjoy it. Yeah. yeah, it takes a minute, though, to, to get comfortable being um, kind of going on your own path, especially mm. when you see everyone else doing something else. But I'm, I'm getting more comfortable with it. <laughs> yeah, it's more rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I find it hard when I'm in a group of people and they all want to do one thing like when my family gets together and my uncle I just love him he's such a wonderful person he's he's like um he's kind of like the camp counselor like he shows up with his clipboard and he's like so 12 o'clock we're gonna go snorkeling and then at oh, three yeah. o'clock we're gonna 
go get ice cream, followed by, you know, uh, tubing schedule. the river. And I usually want to do like one of those things. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I want to join the group for one thing, but I also want to maybe go have a nap after or <laughs> right. do it's something balanced. on my own. So do you find that knowing that what I'm like helps because I, I don't feel guilty. I don't feel like I'm a jerk and I can actually make a joke about it and say something like that. Like, I love that idea. I'm up for that. Like I'm up for number one, but then, right. you know, me, I'm going to have to go and hide and have my nap. And then we that's laugh, it. And I'll be like, it. but I'll meet you after or something. So <laughs> that's it. It doesn't have to be a negative. And the communication part is so important because I've heard this from a lot of folks and it's happened to me too. If you just go and hibernate in the room, someone's going to assume something is wrong with you. You're sick, Mm. you're upset, um, something's going on because everyone else is kind of out and about and doing all the activities. And I'm sure often you're not the only one who doesn't want to do all the activities, right? (laughs) It kind of feels like I am. (laughs) Yeah, I've been there too. It's like, am I the only one who just wants to relax um, or just wants to do one thing today? But yeah, Mm. communication is so helpful to say, yep, you know, I'm just going to take some time for myself. It doesn't have to be a big deal, but just letting folks know can can make a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good example. Do you have any tips for someone who's in a relationship with someone who is mm-hmm. like the exact opposite? <laughs> someone who is the HSP in the relationship? Oh, yeah. With maybe someone who's not an HSP? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I hear both sides where it's like two HSPs together can be really great, right? Mm-hmm. You kind of get each other. You kind of move at the same rhythm. Like my wife's an HSP. Um, but then sometimes we're like, but we need a non-HSP to... <laughs> <laughs> like a buffer. <laughs> exactly. Like either be the buffer or to motivate us to do more novelty mm-hmm. things. So I think the HSP and the non-HSP can be a really good complement. It is going to be about communicating and because that non-HSP is not going to have any clue and vice versa you're not going to really understand how the other one's wired mm-hmm. so I think the a common human experience is to assume everyone's having the same experience with us right mm-hmm. this is how we're all kind of moving through the world and then a lot of times when you start to externalize what's going on for you you realize oh actually I'm having a different experience here I have a different need here or I'm because you can have any number of people in the same room going through the same thing, but everyone's going to be having their own experience sifted through their own lens of their past. Um, so talking about what your needs are, what your experience is, why you need what you need, that's going to be really important. So if you need an hour of alone time every night after work, letting your partner know why that is, because otherwise they're going to say, Oh, you don't want to be with me mm-hmm. or I'm not as important as whatever else you're doing Just say like, Hey, you notice that I'm really giving and I'm really empathetic and that I'm really good at listening when you're having a, you know, a problem at work or with your family. And the reason I can do that is because I'm getting my alone time, right? So just help the partner understand what you're bringing to the relationship and how you can bring that to the relationship, how you can continue to be your best self, I think is really important. Um, and not all partners are going to be as receptive to hearing about the trait. So kind of going slowly into it. <laughs> right um, and never using Dr. Aaron says this a lot where she's like you know don't use your sensitivity as an excuse right okay. use it more as you know, say oh I can't go to that thing because I'm sensitive right <laughs> that could that could get problematic 
more right. so say, you know what, actually I can, I can do one social event a week uh, and then I need alone time the rest of the week or whatever it is, right? Creating some compromise. Right. I, yeah, there's just so much there, but I think communication mm -hmm. is key, making your experience clear and then finding a way to meet in the middle with your partner and helping them understand what your sensitivity brings to the table, which is often empathy, um, attentiveness, um, uh, dedication, right? We tend to be very conscientious um, loyal people. We love hard, <laughs> we feel deep, um, and we notice things, right? So being able to notice subtleties, you're going to pick up on those little changes in body language, tone of voice. You're going to notice when your partner's upset or when they need something before they even speak it. You know, we have very high intuition. So you're going to be able to show up for your partner in a big way when you're an HSP. Um, and I feel like, you know, we want to make sure that we're recognizing that. That's a big asset that you're bringing to a relationship, whether it be your, an intimate partner, uh, a coworker, a family member, a friend, whoever, all your relationships. You know, HSPs are, are bring a lot to the table. So recognize that within yourself, help your partner recognize that, and then talk about your different experiences and what you each need, finding a compromise. Um, and if you want to deep dive into this topic, The Highly Sensitive Person in Love by Dr. Elaine Aaron, it's a book. It's her best book. It's incredible. It really dives into being partnered, whether with another HSP or a non-HSP, and just kind of the, the different struggles and advantages of each of those scenarios. How can we weave our sleep into this part? Yeah, I'd love to talk about maybe what HSPs can do to overcome, you know, obstacles to sleep. Yes, very, let's do it. <laughs> it's a very common issue because... Being deep processors, we tend to be ruminators and get stuck in uh, monkey mind, right? Where the mind is just going so fast. Um, so it's super common for HSCs not be able to sleep because they're thinking a lot. They're processing. They're anticipating, oh, what do I have to do tomorrow? And Because our, brain, our brains are wired to um, pause and reflect before acting and get it right the first time. So if you've got anything coming up, your brain is going to be all over it, <laughs> processing as much as it can. Um, so that's why talking about weaving in processing time every single day, journaling, art is good, movements, talking to a friend, um, any way you express yourself is going to be an important part of every day. I'm a big fan of just brain dumping in a journal. Let mm. it all out. I don't <laughs> care about the grammar. Just get it out. I never read it again. Um, it's just a great way. It's a catharsis. Really clears my head. Um, so that's, that's really helpful. Again, keeping that nervous system regulated. If you notice that you're feeling frazzled, irritable, distracted, um, like your mind's kind of jumping all over the place, practicing some basic mindfulness breathing is really helpful. Um, you know, there's lots of apps videos. I personally just like to, to focus on a simple um, extent, extending the exhale. That helps me maybe with a hand on the heart. Um, there's just so many, so many options for mindfulness, but I'm a big fan of that. Um, the biggest, I think, piece for us is going to be creating a, a consistent space because we are more aware of sensory information. Make sure there's no lights in your room, right? Make sure there's no sound. Um, for me, 
the environment is so important that whenever I travel, I travel with a sound machine, a heating pad, a weighted <laughs> blanket, an eye mask. Um, so I've got all these little things that I need for sleep. And it's okay. You know, I, sometimes I joke, oh, I'm so high maintenance, but it's what I need for sleep, right? So my nervous system feels contained and, and cozy. Mm. Um, so giving yourself permission to create a safe, uh, comfortable sleeping environment. Um, and Beth, I think you've talked about too, making sure that you're dedicating that space just for sleep, right? Not doing all the things because HSPs, we want to do everything from bed, right? <laughs> Work from bed, you know, everything. If we could live in our beds, we probably would because it's safe and comfortable. <laughs> but creating another safe, comfortable space in your home mm. can be helpful for that, right? Um, so that way when you are hopping into bed, your your system is like, oh, yeah, I know what we do here. We go to sleep here, <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, so that can be really helpful. And then I like to create buffer time. So um, there's something called, which I like to call morning dread, which HSPs really struggle getting out of bed in the morning. And we, we struggle with any transition. So you might struggle to transition into bed, like get yourself from the couch to the mm. bed or stop work and start moving into rest time. Um, there's a lot there. But um, so creating a routine <laughs> is important. Um, and giving yourself buffer time around sleep. So if you need to be asleep by 10, you might want to get in bed by 9 okay. or 9.30. Is Don't it the like... same for waking up as well? If you yeah. have to be out of bed by 8, wake, wake up, up at 7. Because that's me. <laughs> I, I give myself an hour. I, I need time I, to lay in bed for at least a half an hour. Me too. I'll <laughs> often go brush my teeth and I get back into bed. Mm. It's I cannot get right out of bed. It's And if you start the day with your nervous system overstimulated, it's going to be hard to get back to baseline. So a nice, easily slow start to the day where you're not rushing. Even if that means getting up a little bit earlier, have that time. Yeah, it's so important. If you're going to do anything, buffer time. Buffer time. Buffer time. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I have that in the morning, but not so much at night. I need to do more of that. Yeah, I'm a big wind down person. Like I need mm. a lot of time to wind down. And I like it. It's it's a time for me just I like to just think about the day or <laughs> whatever's happening or I'll take myself through a little bit of a mindfulness exercise and if you're new to mindfulness, you can definitely do guided exercises until you get comfortable on your own. At, at some point, you can just hear the scripts and you can take yourself <laughs> through it. Right. Um yeah, but at first you might need a little bit of support. Yeah. You've given us so much information already. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's been like a, an hour of just learning from you. I could talk about this all day. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave it recording and I'll Okay, go great. We'll just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just talk. <laughs> I love what you were saying about um, being like safe and cozy and because mm -hmm. I'm all about that. Having like, I'm an earplug person. I love earplugs and... Mm -hmm. Jake had asked me the other night, he goes, what about white noise? And I went, I don't know. I'm white noise is external. When I put my earplugs in, I said, it just kind of closes me off and I'm just with myself and yeah. I can hear my own breathing. And I, I did try an eye mask once, but I actually woke up and it, I it looked like I'd flung it across the room. So wasn't a big fan of the eye mask apparently. Stimulating, actually. <laughs> and I think you're bringing up a good point. Some things that are helpful for some are just totally irritating to other people. <laughs> like I know lots of therapists who can't stand the white noise machine. Like mm, okay. most therapists have a white noise machine so they can, you know, for confidentiality, mm. but 
certain ones you like there's somewhere I can just I can find the loop and then I can never mm-hmm. unhear it mm-hmm. or it can become irritating after yeah. a while so yeah if, if you're out there listening and some of this you're like doesn't work for me good <laughs> throw it out okay. Yeah. But find what does work. Yeah, and I, I like the – I know when I would ride the train, if I had my earbuds in, even if I wasn't listening to anything, it felt like it created my own little world. There's something mm-hmm. about it. I'm mm-hmm. not sure what it is. Yeah, it, it brings the attention more inward. It's containing, yeah. I think. I, said, I feel cocooned. Cocooned, that's the I'm just cocooned it. in my own little – and, yeah. you know, I also – I sleep alone. Like, my partner and I sleep in mm-hmm. separate beds. I sleep better on my own. We're different sleepers. Right. So that's number one. That's just mm-hmm. like, we just sleep better in our own yeah. beds. But for me, I think part of it is also, but not, like, if you're there, I don't have my own little space. Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> and then I feel guilty that. being cocooned because I, I don't oh, want to, I know. I'm sorry. I don't want to leave you out, but I'm going to put my earplugs in now and I'm going to pretend you're not here. <laughs> yeah. I think you know, it's so important if you're in a relationship or even if you have roommates or you live with family mm. There's, there's nothing, I, I think we're, at least in my family, I, I, it's funny because a lot of my family are extroverts mm-hmm. and extreme extroverts. Like they could be with people all the time. And then there's a few of us who are introverts and hardly ever talk. But um, so oftentimes it looks like there's something wrong if we want to be by ourselves. Mm. Um, but there's not. It's just recharging, right? Mm-hmm. That's it. And I love that you're talking about sleeping in separate beds. So I think there's a stigma around that, like, oh, there's something wrong with the relationship or you're not feeling close or you don't want connection with your partner. But that's not true. You're just realizing I sleep better this way. Right. And everybody has different sleep needs and patterns. And um, it's okay to, if you have the space, to honor those. There's lots of other opportunities to spend time together and connect there definitely um, is. There is. There's so many opportunities. <laughs> just sleeping. Like. Exactly. Right. You're not missing anything. Yeah. I also, right. like, I'm not an intertwiner. I don't want my limbs intertwined with another mm-hmm. human being. Like, this is my time to fall asleep. Right. And it is funny how the first thought is usually like, oh, really? That's kind of sad. But I actually have a lot of friends who they'll kind of nudge their partner and be like, hey, do you hear that? Like Beth and Jake have separate beds. <laughs> I think I'd sleep better if we were in a separate bed. Like, yeah, I don't want to wake up too. resenting. I don't want to resent him for something that's not his fault. That's right. So when it's we go, it's an easy fix. Yeah, there's a little log cabin three mm-hmm. hours north from here, and we eventually want to move up there. We share a bed up there, and right now, like that's a couple years away, but we're already panicking now about right. the fact that we're going to have to share a bed one day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because you've gotten accustomed to that. Yeah. I got a king mattress. There you go. (laughs) We're like, we're getting a king mattress. So we have our own space and and the dog sleeps with him, which is a problem for me. So we said, Mm -hmm. okay, now we all have our own third of the bed. There you go. I'm getting used to it, but it's a good compromise. Yeah. Good night. Put my earplugs in. Don't say anything important. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Just letting your partner know, right? Like I'm going into my bubble, (laughs) my cocoon right now. See you in eight hours. Right. Exactly. (laughs) It's so important. I mean, it's, it can really make a difference between feeling like you've got your needs met and, Mm. um, when you are around your partner, time is is quality time right you're right. fully present and you're not feeling resentful i think mm-hmm. a lot of times people especially hsps we struggle to set boundaries we struggle to express our needs and part of that is because we're you know conflict is overstimulating but also we're very empathetic so we don't want to hurt the other person mm-hmm. but also we forget that you know eventually 
bypassing our needs for a long period of time, we're going to get resentful and that's going to harm the relationship. So a little bit of discomfort on the front end with saying, hey, I need something different is actually going to go a long way. It's going to benefit the relationship in the long term. So it sounds like you and your, your partner have figured out a lot. <laughs> yeah. Right? You're fi- yeah. finding ways to, to, co- to cohabitate where mm-hmm. both of you are getting your needs met. Yeah, we're both extroverted introverts. We Mm -hmm. both can be the life of the party when we want to be. And I Mm -hmm. think that's what initially attracted us to each other. But we definitely need our own space. We're so happy together because we also can be apart. And I've had somebody ask me, like, what's the secret to a good relationship? And I was like, not constantly being in each other's faces all the time. Like, we have space. We have our own hobbies more couples need to get out of each other's faces and just have some space especially if they're introverts or they're high sensitive people so yeah you can find that that space of interdependence versus Mm. like a dependence or codependence right Right. you know it's healthy to have some separate interests that you can then Mm. bring to your relationship or that can feed you you know for sensitive folks and introverts too you know we need a lot of um, like intellectual stimulation we need things that are Mm -hmm. really meaningful and deep and without that, we end up feeling empty and we don't have a whole lot to give. So it's great mm-hmm. to go off, fill your bucket up, fill your cup up, mm-hmm. and then you have more to bring back to your partner. So as an HSP and an introvert, what's, what would be the message that you want to shout out to everybody right now that you haven't already said? <laughs> yeah. I always like to remind folks that you know, being sensitive is actually a strength, you know, mm-hmm. Oftentimes it can feel, especially if it's a new discovery, it can feel like a burden um, or something that you have to overcome. But really when you're living a life where you're balanced, right, you're getting that time to fill your cup up and and tend to your own interests and needs, we actually will thrive more. It's proven by research, so what I'm saying is true. There's something we have called vantage sensitivity. When we are living a balanced, supported lifestyle, we thrive more than the non-HSP. So we kind of have this little secret superpower. So if we can get to that place of some basic self-care and and good sleep, yeah, sky's the limit. You're golden. Golden. (laughs) You have access to all that creativity, the empathy, the, you know, the insight, the intuition. And it's just, and that shows up in every area of our lives, you know, relationships, work, our own personal um, self-growth work, you know, in just so many areas. I would like to remind folks that you've got this this whole web of strengths inside of you um, that can really, you know, be an asset in every area of your life. So for anyone who's listening who's thinking they might be an HSP mm-hmm. or an introvert and they still don't know, welcome. Yes, welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> Is that something that they pop over to your website? Do you have like tests or things like that? I noticed you have a a blog there. Like you have a lot of information that someone can go and kind of learn more about it. Yeah. If they go to my website, expansiveheart.com, I have a whole HSP uh, resource page where you can learn Mm. all about the trait. There's a link to the self-test by Dr. Aaron. Um, That is a great way to start to see and explore whether or not you're, you're a highly sensitive person. Um, blog there so it explores lots of different experiences around the HSP like guilt and self-care and anxiety and getting downtime like all the different topics and then 
links to books. So if you're just finding out about the trait, you might want to start reading The Highly Sensitive Person by Dr. Erin. She also has a workbook. Um, there's a documentary, which is linked from my website. So you'll find all of kind of the basics to get started. Or if you have maybe an HSP in your life that you want to learn more about. Mm, yeah, that's good too. Yeah. Yeah. And how can people get a hold of you to work with you? Sure. So um, you're welcome to, from that website, if you're in California, you can work with me as a client. Or I also have a guide for overcoming anxiety and overwhelm. Uh, just just a really accessible guide to get you started with that process. You can sign up for my email list, stay in touch there, or follow me on Instagram. I post there every day. And how do they find you on Instagram? At Expansive Heart. Expansive Heart. Okay. Yep. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. This has been really cool because I have no other episode that covers this topic. Mm -hmm. And I think, too, it was exciting because it hits home for me. Yeah, thanks, Beth. Yeah, this was a great conversation. I appreciate you sharing more about your story. And I was, I love spreading the message about sensitivity for folks who maybe are just discovering that about themselves. Thank you again to my guest, April Snow. I really enjoyed our conversation. And I hope you, my listener, will check out her website at expansiveheart.com. Well, my beautiful bedtime thinkers, thanks for being here and for listening and subscribing. Until next time, sleep well and stay cozy. And to my mom who listens to my podcast every night as she falls asleep, good night, mama.